John Harrison is the head of data science at Goalkeeper.com. He has a PhD from the University of Cambridge in astronomy, and his data has been featured in the Athletic and Sky Sports. He also works with a handful of clubs through his consulting company, Goalkeeper XG. It's a very insightful and thought-provoking conversation diving into the statistics of goalkeeping. John, thank you for joining me, man. This is gonna this is gonna be a good conversation. Yeah, no, can't wait. It's, it's gonna be fun. Cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, real quickly, uh, just tell us about your background and how you got into diving into the statistics behind goalkeeping. Yeah. So, well, I've been a goalkeeper all my life. I was playing ever since I was a little kid. But yeah, I guess it all sort of started ramping up. Uh, yeah, a, a few years ago. If, if mm -hmm. we if we go back to my my time at university. Um, I started playing university first team football for, for Cambridge in England, um, having lots of fun there. And at the same time, I was studying first for my undergraduate degree in natural science and then for my PhD in, in astrophysics. And it was during that time I sort of started thinking. Just wait, wait, wait um, PhD yep. in astrophysics? Yeah, yeah, indeed. On the, I, it, was, it was on the chemical composition of uh, planets. So, yeah, what makes up planets? Do they all look like the Earth or... Are they are they are they weird and wonderful in their composition? That I mean yeah. that sounds mind blowing. I would love to dive into that <laughs> on another time because that could take us. To that could take concept. us anywhere. Oh yeah. my! Anyway, so you're you're studying you're studying about planets. Yeah, and it's got lots of stats, lots of math sort of stuff in there. And my sort of second passion in life was always physics and mathematics and statistics. And I was playing a lot of football. So in the university team, I think we'd train Monday, play Wednesday, train Friday, and then train Saturday, Sunday. So we'd have like a packed schedule, only Tuesdays and Thursdays off, really, from some sort of training. And because I was doing that and so much maths and stats at the same time, I started thinking, just wait. It feels like there's a lot of stuff that football is missing out on and goalkeeping especially because... For me, the statistics that you find for goalkeepers at the moment are just horrendous. They do not tell you anything about... Just like save percentage, goals allowed, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Safe percentage, goals conceded, clean sheets, all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. is not correlated to actually what we know makes a good goalkeeper. Because, for example, yeah, not all shots are the same. And right. If you look, teams that keep lots of clean sheets normally just concede the fewest shots. So. It's, it's because they've got a good defense rather than a right, great goalkeeper. Right. A goalkeeper is some component of the clean sure. sheet but it's it's a small smaller component than you'd think so right. if you just award the golden glove by clean sheets for example it will very rarely pick actually the best goalkeeper so because of this i started thinking well what statistics what can statistics do to help goalkeepers and be useful for goalkeepers because it doesn't just have to be prescriptive of say oh that was a good save that was a bad mistake etc you want it to be able to inform the goalkeeper to change their decision making next time so the first thing i did and this was at, at university while i was still doing my phd i started thinking about when i was playing small-sided games i wanted to know when i needed to engage the ball so for example in a small-sided game everyone who's played in goal knows this like a ball can fall to a striker and you've got to make that split second decision. Do you need to rush out and spread yourself and just hope it hits you? Or do you need to just trust your reactions and save the things that are in your sort of, your sort of right. range? And I knew just from physics that if you're 15 yards away from me, there's no way I need to just jump into a spread because all yeah. that's going to do is mean if you roll it to the side of me, it's a goal. And right. maybe you'll hit it at me, but the majority of the time I should have enough reaction time at about 15 yards. But similarly, at the opposite end of the scale, if you're five yards out, the ball falls to you, and I'm just like, yeah, go on then, set position, try and right. beat me. You could hit it basically anywhere unless it was straight at my body and it's going in. Right. So I knew there was going to be some sort of distance that 
would be optimal to, to rush out and engage in some sort of distance where you should wait and stay. And that's where I started doing my sort of first major statistical study in goalkeeping, which was on 1v1s in the Premier League and when you should engage and when you shouldn't. And I think it's that sort of stuff that stats can do that helps goalkeepers that I think goalkeepers don't realize. Um, so when you were thinking about this, when you're discovering this, did your model only look at where the ball was on the field or did it have other variables in it? Like, is there a defender chasing you right, left angle of the yeah. field? Like talk to us about exactly. that. Cause for, exactly. Yeah. Cause I think that's all situational too on whether to approach or not. Yeah, exactly. So it obviously had to have the angle of approaching and it had to have the build-up. So did a guy dribble the last defender? Was it a through ball? Was it a fast, low cutback? Uh, was it a rebound? So did the keeper make a save and then it fell to someone who was in a one-on-one -on -one situation? All of that depends. So yeah, it had all the information about the build-up at the start and that would filter it down. And then it had the information about where the ball was and the angle of approach, because again, you're exactly right, that is going to make an effect. And we found it did make a substantial statistical effect. And the other things it um, it had in it was, yeah, is there any defensive pressure? Is the defender chasing or is there completely no one there? And basically using that information and then was a shot taken? Or did they try and pass it? Did they try and dribble around the keeper, et cetera? You can then basically find, well, if a, and then you look at what does the keeper do? Because the keeper yeah. affects the striker. Right. Then you look at, did the keeper rush out? Did the keeper hold deep? Did the keeper rush out and do a spread? Did they do a block? Did they go for a smother and try and dive on the ball? What did they do? And it was using that that we could evaluate, firstly, when should you rush and when should you stay back? Because you can just look at, well, what is the expected goal probability for this location at this angle of attack with this build-up when the keeper rushes in this point? And yeah. you get some number. And then you can see, well, what if they waited? And you get another number and you just see which is which is larger for the for the goalkeeper. And then that, that was one fun thing we did. And we got an answer that... It was a little bit surprising to me, but sounded basically sensible of about 14 yards. So like an arc around goal of about 14 yeah. yards. If you're outside that, you don't need to engage that touch. And once they take a touch that will take them inside that, that's when we found you need to engage. And for me, that sort of sounded pretty sensible because that region of like 14, 15 yards is going to be pretty 50-50. Like right. if they hit it well, it will probably beat you. But if you rush out a lot, you, they might just be able to curl it around you. Whereas right. definitely, I think outside the box, we all know if you rush out for a start, you can't use your hands. Yeah. So you, you're already at a disadvantage. And similarly, when they're within the penalty spot, we obviously know you need to rush. So it, it gave me a sensible answer. And I've now got over 5,000, I think, Premier League one-on-ones in there building that. And it's it stayed pretty much the same from my first year of having 1,000. So it's yeah. obviously it fluctuates a little bit, but that basic answer of about 14 yards is stuck. So I'm pretty... Pretty That's happy with that. Yeah. Do, do you just look at 1v1s or are you looking at shot stopping and positioning? Like if we're at the yeah. top of the 18, what, what's the ideal position? And also, yeah. how do you take into a factor of height of a goalkeeper? For example, like a yeah. uh, Pickford versus De Gea. Because that start position has got to be a little bit different as well, right? Th does that play into yeah. the model at all? Uh, so, so you wouldn't want to put that into the model because you'd want the model to be for an average height of goalkeeper and then okay. you could adjust it based on that. But yes, so um, at goalkeeper.com and goalkeeper.xg, the company yeah. I'm, I'm working for now, we, yeah, we do every single action a goalkeeper does. So we have models for, from everything from yeah, shot stopping to like handling, like where are the keepers parrying it? Are they parrying it to safe locations or not? And sweeping, cross-claiming, distribution, everything's all, all modeled there mathematically. And like I was saying, start, some of it is more like prescriptive and just tells you, was that a good action or a bad action? But the stuff I'm really, really interested in is 
like you just said, well, what's the optimum position for this? What's the optimum way to yeah. deal with that? So yeah, for shots from the edge of the box, for example, I think it's, again, I don't think many coaches disagree with this now, especially in England, since the sort of revolution of having the Spanish and Portuguese keepers over in our league. But I think it's about two yards off the line for shots mid. So back yeah. in the day in England, people were starting on like the six yard line. Yeah. And yeah. Then like goalkeepers like De Gea and Rui Patricio came over and they and, and Hugo Lloris as well, actually. And they were almost like on the goal line. Mm-hmm. And then looking at the modeling, it's basically, again, I think it, it rings true when you just think about the physics of it. You don't want to be right on your goal line because then you've got the whole goal to cover. You right. don't want to be on your six-yard box because then you're turning a shot from the edge of the box into a penalty in terms of reaction time. Right. We all know penalties, keepers have to dive early to save them because they can't react that quick. Right. So you can't be six-yard line and you can't be on your line. It's got to be somewhere in between. And at the moment, mm. the stats we've got is just shy of halfway. So it's like two and a bit yards off your line. That That is the optimum of giving you enough angle yeah. but also giving you enough reaction time because it's going to be a playoff of the, of the two things. Going off that, and again, in, in this model, it tells you, like, if a defender's approaching. So it's like, for me, the, the way I teach it, like, if we're looking at a, a shot on a slight angle, yep. and they take a, a flatter touch or a negative touch, I think that oh, adjusts right, your yeah. position, right? Like, yeah. is, is that all in the model? Like, you start here, if they go here, how does that so, adjust? Yeah, so the, the way the model would work is it just, it wouldn't do it from the same one-on-one it would do it from one-on-ones that become in that location, if you get what I mean. So, yeah, yes, okay. if a touch was negative or a cross or taking it back, it would be very likely that the model would then be like, oh, hold your position now. You don't need to engage, unless they were ridiculously close to goal and it thinks you could win the ball. Right, um, okay. So, yeah, so that, that, that's how it progresses through the situation. So that normally the, the, the optimum strategy that comes out of the model is along the lines of, Keep way, let, let's say someone's dribbling in from 25 yards out, let's say. I think, oh, there was a good example last night. If you watched the, the League Cup game between Newcastle and Southampton, there was a Didn't great last night. Of, yeah. Um, che Adams, anyway, was running in from about 25 yards out off a through ball. Nick Pope was at the edge of his box ready to sweep, and he just backs off. He just backs off, but he just runs back into his six-yard box. Che Adams keeps dribbling, but then a Newcastle defender's approaching. To be honest, maybe Che Adams should have taken another touch, but yeah. he, he basically shot from just outside the box, and Pope made a foot Pope, Pope made a foot save and parried it away to danger. And it was yeah. a perfect example of what my model would want the goalkeeper to do. It's like, you don't need to engage there. Don't need to engage there. If Che Adams took another touch, then my model would be like, right, now go, because the likely next touch will be within that 14-yard arc, and you need to just get on top of the ball, snuff it out. If it's at a tight angle, use a block, because you don't want to get megged. If it's at a central angle, you want to spread. And if you can't get close enough anyway to block, you want to spread because you want to fill as much of the goal as, as possible. That's interesting. It, I think this is all just kind of rea- reassuring to coaches who, yes, because exactly. like that, that, like for me, it's like the, the way you're talking about, it, it's just about what I'm teaching anyway, in terms of distances. Yep. So it, it is reassuring to see it. And, and it's fun. I think it's cool to see it all broken down to, to this extent too, because we've never had something like this. So yep. what, what are the, the important stats we should look at if, like you mentioned before, if clean sheets don't really tell you the whole yeah. story of who the best goalkeeper is, you know, what, what stats tell you who the best one is? Yeah, so, so for me, it's publicly available, it's really difficult. Like, there's nothing really out there that doesn't have lots of biases or lots of issues. So right. even things, like the closest things for shot stopping are like the expected goals prevented kind of right. stats. But the problem is the models that are out there on the market, like Opta, for example, 
they don't include the velocity of the shot, which is a huge factor for a one for a, for a one off shot. Like over right. a sample size of a hundred thousand shots, that'll cancel out because right. they're looking at the average speed shot. But for a small sample size, like a goalkeeper's one season of playing, that's going to be a it's going to be a, a big issue. And similarly, there's loads of I tweet about it all the time. So if people care, they can they can check yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah. But I, I go over all the different details that these models have flaws with and it's because they're not built by goalkeepers so they don't know how important for example if the shot's on a cutback there's going to be a massive repositioning so the yeah. goalkeeper is going to have to move before they can even attempt to save so that's going to have to be treated differently to a shot just off a dribble because when they're dribbling we're already in the right position and there's loads of, of, of bits and bobs things about deflections things things about um yeah uh, other types of shots and volleys and things like that that they just don't have in them so they're probably the closest to the best thing you can use. But again, it only looks at shot stopping. So yeah. That's why the stats that we're doing at goalkeeper.com and goalkeeper.xg look at break everything down into, yeah, all the shot preventing actions like sweeping through balls, cross claiming, and then the shot stopping ones, and then the distributing ones. And it basically looks at the goal probability before an action and after. So for example, right. if you've got a goal kick, goal kicks, the sequences result in a goal like one in a thousand times. Like yeah. it's not often. But let's say you're Edison and you just launch one straight over the full top of the defense and Aguero right. runs in. Suddenly you've changed that from a one in a thousand chance. Your pass was so good, it turned it into like a 30 percenter. So yeah. then the model then rewards you with bound. He's added that many goals to the team, which is yeah, 0.3 basically. So we do that for every action a keeper does. So then we can basically see what is the value in goals of every goalkeeper, but fairly. So, for example, Edison doesn't face a lot of shots but he does face a lot of other things. So he can get right. his goal value from passes and cross Whereas a keeper who just faces loads of shots, obviously they're going to get their goal value from the, from the sure. shot. So does your model predict in possession stuff, like optimal times to make a certain pass and so on and so forth? Uh, so it, it knows which passes are the most sort of rewarding. That doesn't necessarily mean you can play them. But it also right. knows it, it does the, the thing we've done with distribution in terms of helping goalkeepers and coaches is knowing which locations are like very risky. So like the ones where it's a very low reward if you get it, if you get that pass off. But if you don't, it's super high risk. Right. So this is the things that have come out in, in terms of in terms of this sort of pass are the ones into your holding midfielder from like a goal kick where like they just get it there and then can turn. Like if yeah. that goes wrong, you give away a huge chance more often than not. And if it goes right, you don't actually gain much. Um, so like, for example, stuff like that. And similarly, kicks to the kicks like into their half, so let's say goal kicks that are aimed in like the central part of the pitch that basically just are inside either your half or just inside their half. There's yeah. basically very little reward to that. But again, if they win the header, it then becomes quite a big risk. Like when I'm talking about big risk in like goal kicks, it's like turning a one in a thousand chance into like a one in a hundred chance against you. That's the That's sort of numbers. Yeah. But so it's small numbers. But it's like goal kicks have to be aimed if you're going long wide, unless unless you can go really really long like Edison and right. you can put it like five yards outside their box, then you can go straight. Yeah. But basically, if you're just clipping it in just inside their half, you want to go wide. And similarly for other distributions, it's those ones into the middle that are quite shallow, that don't offer much, that, um, that are quite risky. That, that's the sort of courses and education content yeah. the distribution is just on which passes. Okay, you, if you get away with it every time, fine. But right. when they go wrong, we'll go badly wrong. So is Nick Pope 
have you have you looked over his his clean street streak and like why like what what's what's allowing for ten straight clean sheets? Yeah. So Nick Pope for a start is one of the best shot preventers in the Premier League, and that's both cross claiming and through ball sweeping. So currently in our model, I think he's second. Maybe Allison's top. Him and Allison have been having a battle this year. Basically okay. every week okay. when we update the model, it's like, oh, yeah. who's done it? But Nick Pope's sweeping is unbelievable. And I think a lot of people at Burnley um, didn't really appreciate it. He still did it at Burnley, but now yeah. at Newcastle, it's gone to a new level of the amount of clearances he makes outside the box. Let me just just wait. I might as well, because I've got the, the thing yeah. up. I can pull a number up. So John, yeah, Nick. Hold Nick on, hold on. Wait, well, before yeah. you give this info out, we gotta we gotta be charging Premier League clubs for the for this type of information, right? We're we're gonna be oh, sending yeah, yeah, goalkeepers yeah, yeah. around. <laughs> Definitely, indeed. No, no. And to be fair, goalkeeper XG, we are um, working with football clubs and no, football okay, no, Premier League yeah. clubs, so it's all it's, oh, it's cool. all good. People yeah. know that they, they want this, but yeah, yeah. So Pope is has the most chances prevented through sweeping so far with thirty three. Um, okay. So he's come off his line thirty three times and stopped a chance happening. Um, due to his due to his sweeping, um, yeah, which is obviously absolutely exceptional. Al- yeah, Allison's on twenty eight. Okay, but yeah, so, so um, Pope excellent at that, and he's excellent at coming for crosses, which basically means Newcastle don't concede that many shots because their defensive setup is very solid, and they've got a keeper who just stops shots happening. So a lot of his clean sheet streak is down to that, and then it's finally tinged in with a little bit of he's made some big saves at some big moments. Yeah, um, but that it makes... has all been shot stopping. I guess is the interesting mm-hmm. part. It's mainly been right. down to Newcastle not conceding a lot of shots. And I think at one point, I'm not sure what it is right now, but Pope had faced the most shots um, in my in my model that had a save probability over 99. percent I.e., yeah. wow. it's a it's a rubbish shot. It's like yeah. it gets saved every single time. Yeah. Like anyone could save it. Basically, it's like a 30 mile an hour shot from 25 yards straight down the middle kind of thing. And that was because Newcastle's defence was just so good at not conceding any good shots and forcing the opposition. So the defenders, Botman and Dan Byrne, et cetera, Trippier, were forcing strikers to take silly shots because they were getting frustrated that they hadn't had any shots right. on target all game. So, just took them to... so again, yeah, I'd say Pope's clean sheet streak is not that much down to shots nothing. He has made some big saves. Yeah. It's a lot down to, one, having a good defence. As we said before, having a good right. defence always right. helps. And number two, he helps the defence by his shot prevention. Like, he just, any time they know there's a difficult cross and the centre-back might not get there, Pope will get there. If there's a through ball in behind and the centre-backs aren't quick enough to get there, Pope's already out of his box and he's clearing it away. So, yeah, mm, no, he's, he's been excellent this season, Pope. So is this model applicable for other levels? So, for, for example, being a Division One women's soccer coach, like, could I use this level for my goalkeeper or a model for the, my goalkeepers? So... Obviously, if we wanted to have like a proper baseline, we'd yeah. have to then tr- retrain the model on data from that league, the league you're playing. Right. But for me, I don't see any issue in just using the model with the baseline it has and just accepting you're going to get negative numbers, for example. Like, let's mm-hmm. say if you're, let's say if, yeah, you were looking at, I don't know, your keeper against another keeper just to see wh- which one's performing better. Just because one's minus eight and one's minus 15, you still see that there's a plus nine goal difference or whatever between them. Right. So you could easily use the model, but obviously because it's trained at the top flight game, it's if you use it with lower keepers, like when a 40 mile an hour shot goes in, that yeah. never happens in the top flight. So it, gotcha. it, it's gotcha. that kind of thing. So for me, yeah, you can definitely use it, but I wouldn't expect to be, have anyone like yeah. on plus seven goals or something. Because if, if you do, then it could be like, oh, wow, the, let's slot should... these into the Premier League. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So for 
the non-goalkeeper coaches, how, how can they use it to help determine which goalkeeper should play, sign, things like that? Yeah, well, I think one of the first things, and one of the, a lot of the stuff we want to do at goalkeeper.com is just to make non-goalkeepers aware of the position and its difficulties and its intricacies and those sorts of things. So like we were mentioning before, like the education courses and the things we want to put on about how to deal with one-on-ones, how to sell those corners, free kicks, mm-hmm. penalties, all of that stuff, optimum shot-stopping positions and, and when to come for crosses and when you probably shouldn't come because if you even if you get there, you're likely to drop it, et cetera, yeah. because it's a very difficult take. So you might as well leave it to your centre-backs. All that sort of stuff and those courses, I think I'd love both goalkeeper coaches and goalkeepers to come, obviously. But if just outfield coaches and managers would, would, would take it on those courses, I think it'd be super useful for them because they'd sort of see like the sort of stuff we're playing with. So when, like you were discussing before, a one-on-one happens and it's on the cusp, like the striker takes a kind of heavy touch, but is it heavy right. enough? And the keeper rushes and they score. You then don't criticize your goalkeeper because you realize, ah, sorry, that, yeah, that was like 14 yards out. It was on an angle. You tried to block, but you just didn't do it quick enough. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like they then yeah. understand the intricacies and they learn that, the goalkeeper did try and do the correct thing. It was just goalkeeping is a difficult position. Everyone can know what you should do, but right. doing it in the split second is what separates the the levels. Um, so yeah, so, no, I'd love them to to take that. I think it'd give them a much better understanding of of, of how we feel on a day to day basis. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, everyone knows goalkeepers are are the lone wolves. But so he, here's where I I think is is the biggest challenge. And I think we actually had this conversation on Twitter a few months back about. Like, I think, like, what if he, the goalkeeper comes out in a 1v1, makes the right decision, but it's a technique flaw? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, like, how does, how can we say, or how, how can that affect the model? Because it's like, oh, he did the right action, you know, but it's like maybe just the, the technique was slightly off. So doesn't that affect yep. the model or so, anything? Or it's so, like, so that's where I feel like the, the stats could get mixed up. So the, the, well, the way the model works, it's going to be saying what technique can goalkeepers at the top flight execute more accurately or not. So that's how it come in, right? Let's say yeah. everyone does the spread perfectly all the time, then the spread would be very high performing. If everyone's struggling right. to do the block, maybe we should stop coaching the block. Like if we, yeah. if we keep saying, uh, oh, if we look at the data, okay, it's saying the block's bad here, but actually it's just because they're doing it badly. Well, maybe that's off. Like, why are they doing it badly? Is that because we're, we haven't coached them it correctly? Or is that if everyone in the Premier League is doing it badly in a certain way, for me, that's still a reason not to use that technique there rather than say it needs to be tweaked, if you get what I mean. But that's the beautiful yeah, thing okay. about these models is let's say suddenly one goalkeeper nails a new technique, then that will get fed into the model. And over time, it will start saying, oh, no, everyone should be doing what this guy's doing. Um, because because it's constantly yeah. every time there's right. new data, okay. it retrains the model. It retrains the model. So what? Yeah, what it can't tell you exactly. The major like limitation is it can't invent something new for you. That right. the creativity has to come from us, the goalkeepers and the goalkeeper coaches. But what it can tell you is what's happening out on the field. So it can tell you that blocks. Let, let's say one on ones from ten yards out at a tight angle get saved ninety percent of the time by a block, but only sixty by a spread. So it can tell you that. In those situations, either keepers are bad at executing the spread in those situations, or the block is just easier for keepers to execute and more optimal in that situation. Therefore, should we be telling our goalkeepers, if you face this, try and block rather than trying to do anything else? So it can tell you what's happening on the pitch, but it can't come up with a, well, what about this whole new solution that isn't a block or a spread or a smother or a whatever? 
Right. Yeah. So Interesting. It's, for me, so, it's it's a nice blueprint and guideline. And then if we come up with something creative ourselves or some sort of different solution, it can then potentially test that solution. Um, but really, it can only look at what's actually happening on a on, on a football field and evaluate what's the most successful action. Really, in terms of crosses, does it, does a model take in take an effect with balls in lofted balls? Like yep, a lefty exactly. player, low crosses, in swingers, out swingers, yeah. all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah, and and the main thing we've like obviously we've got the the model that evaluates. Oh. How often would that be claimed? How often would that right. be punched into danger, dropped, et cetera, et cetera? Does it also so, take an effect like how many defenders are in the box, like, so, their, so like knows, their body position as well? So I think knows, that's a big thing if you have like 40 guys running at you, you know? So. Yeah, so it knows, it doesn't know the exact number of players in the box, or whatever. It's not trained to that sort of granularity mm -hmm. or their exact position, but it knows if there's a defender charging for the ball, attacker charging for the ball, and um, yeah, if, if yeah. there's. So I think I've got a thread on it on Twitter and it knows like, for example, if the attacker is going to meet it where the goalkeeper is, or if the attacker is behind the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper is preventing a chance by stopping it. Or similarly, if the attacker is in front and actually it was just sailing out for a goal kick. Yeah. Because if it's just sailing out for a goal kick, you don't really need to claim it. The only sure, difference sure. by claiming it then is it's... a goal kick versus a kick out your hand. Yeah. Um, so, it's... but no, so there's, there's definitely more intricacy you can get to with the model you can add you could add loads of stuff to make it more and more real close to the exact game right but then what you're playing off against is the number of data points and also what question you're trying to answer so for example so if the if the question you're trying to answer is just where do i need to start what's the good starting location for crosses and where should i be trying to claim and where should i be like leave it to my defenders yeah whether you need the exact body shape of all the defenders and da, 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 just because if you're just looking for a rough blueprint and i think a lot of goalkeeper coaches and goalkeepers would just like a sort of rough blueprint and then the tiny differences and the tiny factors and the fact it's windy the fact it's raining whatever yeah i'll take care of that myself and realize oh well on a normal day i should be claiming crosses when they're from this distance i should sure. be going out to like nine yards off my line whatever it might be then i can adjust that based on all the external factors or like, like you said before, with height, like it could be, uh, like I could have a goalkeeper who's six foot seven and wants to come flying out, blah, blah, blah. And then versus the average keeper, they want to actually claim a little bit further off the line. And similarly, I could have a short keeper who's just, I'll make sure I claim the ones I have to, but there's no need, reason for me to be venturing off my line because it's just going to cause more carnage than not. So it's always got room for the goalkeeper's personality and skill set in there. It's just having a blueprint and I think, like you said before, right at the start, this is all about sort of helping the goal coaches realize what they're coaching and why they're coaching it. And if there's any sort of random bits that they think, oh, I thought this was true, but it turns out it's not, then it can help you there. Because, for example, yeah, in England, back in the day, you were taught as soon as the striker gets the ball out of the feet, engage, like regardless of right. where they are. Right. And like you could like, and that just isn't the correct thing at the top level. You can see how it changes goal probabilities from like, it turns them from like 10% chances to like 50 in certain yeah. places. In certain places, as soon right. as they get it out of, out of their feet, you have to engage. But it's those little things that we can change. And then it's just having a blueprint so that coaches can start with something and use those principles to build their sessions, build their goalkeepers, et cetera, who are obviously all different and all, right. all individual. When are you coming out with the book? 
<laughs> yeah, well, we've got a, we've already got a children's book on the on, oh, really? on, on, on the website. Yeah, indeed. About so, yeah. So, so um, as, as we start to wrap goalkeeper. up, just um, let let everyone know what goalkeeper.com is. What like what are you doing with it, and you know why should we all be visiting that site every day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be lovely if you did. Yeah. But, yeah. So goalkeeper.com is basically a company that's doing a lot of things at the moment. Uh, we've got a sort of education section, and we've been discussing that a lot today, Jesse, haven't we? In terms of mm. we want to put courses on there for both goalkeepers, goalkeeper coaches, managers. So we'll be starting those, I think, um, probably in the summer is when a lot of those will drop. Yeah. So good educational content we'll have on there. And some of it will be for free. Some of it will be behind paywalls. It'll be mm. a, a, a mish, mishmash of stuff. We're also going to have a, um, a marketplace for goalkeeper gloves. I think we've already dropped a, a release for that, and we've got a some big glove brands already signed up, but basically nice. a place where you can go and shop around for your goalkeeper gloves. So you can see all the different brands, what the new releases are, all that sort of yeah. fun stuff. Um, and then as well as that, obviously we've got my sort of side of it, which is all the goalkeeper stats. And at the moment that's sort of in a, we're consulting with clubs, we're talking to clubs kind of way, but hopefully in the future we'll have some stats up there for free that anyone nice. can scroll through and see. And yeah, hopefully what I'm planning on is for the Premier League at least to have our total goal value taking into account every action a nice little table on there for people yeah. to look at who which goalkeepers are actually saving their team's stuff and then yeah i guess the, um the, the the final point is all the editorial content goalkeeper.com as well as being a marketplace a place for our for our data team and for for the consultancy uh it's also got a big editorial i'm pretty sure we've put out an article every day on something oh, wow. goalkeeping nice. related yeah um by one of our freelance writers or whatever uh, or some of our in-house writers mm. and so if you're yeah interested in what's latest yeah. in goalkeeping news there'll always be an article on there and there's a full news section as well in term which collates news from all around the world so hopefully we're going to try and make it the the, the go-to the one-stop shop yeah yeah exactly. yeah oh yeah that's awesome um everyone go follow john on twitter jh jhd harrison one um for all your goalkeeping stats john i appreciate you doing this thank you man Hope this was insightful for everybody, including myself, which it was. So thank you. <laughs> Cheers.